Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. Here's the audio clip of what Regis was actually saying to Kelly. Today I called uh, a couple in Washington, D.C., an FM station. Yes. Lou and Lori. Yes. Yeah. And so, but you know, you don't know when you're talking to a radio guy, what do they look like? You know, because they know what we look like. Right. So I said to Lori... You know, this Lou Katz, his name is Lou Katz. I said, this Lou Katz guy really intrigues me. Mm. Tell me what he looks like. By the time she got through telling me what Lou Katz looked like, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello, hello, this is Lou Katz, and we want to welcome you to the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Without any delay, let's go right now and welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, the beauty of all of us, it's Jen Chaney. Hi, Jen. Hello, beauty. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that word, but thank you for uh, having me. <laughs> and the, the handsomest guy of the group and longtime entertainment critic, just in from his 25-mile walk, here's Arch Campbell. Only if you like antiques. But here we are, and uh, here we go again. And uh, Jen, uh, the question remains, what's new this week? This is a slimmer week than usual. There's a new movie, which I have not yet seen, uh, that's coming out on HBO Max, An American Pickle. So the premise of it is the character that Seth Rogen plays, he plays two people. He plays one character and that character's great-great-grandfather who falls into a pickle jar or a big pickle <laughs> barrel and pickles himself and then emerges still alive in, in the modern day world. Uh, it was actually supposed to be a theatrical release and because of the pandemic, it's it's gone right to HBO Max. The reviews on it have been kind of mixed and that might might be generous on my part that I've seen so far, but, but um, I'm still gonna check it out. It's, it actually arrives on HBO Max on Thursday of this week. Uh, and uh, you have an update on something called TCAS, <laughs> what is that? TCAs, that's the Television Critic Association press tour. It happens twice a year, oh. usually in the summer around this time, and then um, they do it in January. And normally it's a big thing that happens in LA and all the networks and, and streaming services you know, do their dog and pony show and present their fall slate of, of programming. But obviously we're not all able to gather in person. And this is a slimmed down version that's been going on virtually this week. And then it'll run a little bit into the beginning of next week. So far, yesterday was an all Netflix day. So we saw presentations about Ratched, the, uh, the new Netflix mm. movie coming out based on Nurse Ratched. And I have many thoughts about that since I just watched off uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I watched the first two episodes of Ratched, although I can't say too much about them yet. Uh, My and- sister is is obsessed with Ratched, she, uh, which tells you something about our family. But she she can't wait for that. She's just obsessed with it. She already, She sent me a trailer and wanted <laughs> to know if I had seen it. So, you know, so I guess that's a way of saying there's interest. Yeah, no, I'm sure there will be interest. Uh, that's another Ryan Murphy joint. Ryan Murphy, who makes 50% of the TV shows that are on on television and streaming at this point, it feels like. Uh, today, we're going to have presentations from Warner, which is, you know, HBO, HBO Max, yeah. all of their properties, TNT, TBS, including a presentation on Lovecraft Country, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks. I've started watching that and it's 
really interesting, really good. I think that's going to be a talker. So yeah, so that's that's what TCA's is. It's it's the Television Critic Association Press Board. So normally you would be in LA for that. And you know, here we are. You would think. I've TCA. never actually been. This is the first oh, time really? I've gotten to go because it's online. <laughs> <laughs> so an American Pickle, HBO Max. Now speaking of American Pickles, we have had so much fun adding guests to these podcasts that uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna start a new segment called our phone a friend segment. <laughs> Every show we're gonna invite a friend to join us. And so it is with great pleasure that I welcome our longtime pal. He uh, writes for punch drunk critics. He reports on WBAL radio and news channel eight. And he is our good friend Travis Hobson. And Travis, hey, hey. thank you for joining us. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, everybody else gets all these this, this great intro, and I get the American pickle intro. <laughs> a little, a little that, that was a That's segue. Okay. It's okay. That was a segue to the to the phone of friends segment. <laughs> I have not been grinded into the present day like I am in, Amer- in American. <laughs> so, what are you watching these days? Uh, you mean new stuff or just kind of stuff that I've been watching while, while we're all way, I mean, inside? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the greater question is how are you coping with uh, the lack of theatrical yeah. releases? Because Jen yeah. and I would see you two or three times a week, and now uh, we don't. So, so really, the question is, what are you watching? You know, the, uh, the honest answer is, um, and I get asked the question all the time, like, what are you doing without any movies? It's not true that there aren't any movies. In fact, I, I, I work as much now as I did before. <laughs> there are just as many reviews that I'm doing every week. I'm still doing three, four, five a week sometimes. Um, so that hasn't changed. It's just I don't have to drive out to the theater to go see them most of the time. So I, it doesn't really bother me so much, but not that much has changed. In terms of what, I've, what I'm watching, um, there are a couple of new things that came out this week that I, that I, that I actually both liked and one guy really a lot has a lot of people been waiting for is a film called waiting for the barbarians uh, which is which is out now and it stars robert pattinson mark rylance and uh johnny depp and that one's had a lot of attention and i just saw that and it's it's a it's basically about a, a magistrate in a far off a far off land part of the british empire and he's a peaceful guy kind of running the show um kind of takes a hands-off approach and then De- depth's character comes in from the empire and he's itching for a fight and he basically runs the place takes over and runs the place of the of the, of the brutality um and it's about the conflicting uh, ideologies and it's it's about colonialism and you know and sort of and, and all that sort of thing and it's actually really well done it's, it's directed by the guy who did embrace of the serpent a few years ago if anybody saw that but so he's, now, his, um, his focus who's is carrying it what's it on uh it's on digital so i think you can get it on pretty much any platform amazon any prime platform. and the rest yeah uh, but but those three actors i mean well two of those actors anyway let me put it that way johnny depp is i i think he consistently acts like someone who was coming in from a different movie like it's just it's just kind of <laughs> the way he is and he's like that in this movie. He's, he's the he's the one factor in it that doesn't feel authentic, really. Like he feels like he's playing mm. the villain yeah. from Frame Roger Rabbit, and everybody <laughs> else is being serious about it. So, but but it's still but even so, his presence is interesting because we don't really see him all that much anymore. It seems 
you know <laughs> so now, give so, us the title again what's the title again that is waiting for the barbarians people should go, probably go and check that out and we have a piece of news that we all need to discuss and that is that disney has announced has announced you know mulan was uh, the live action redo of the animated cartoon success and now they've announced that uh, they're going to show it in theaters in china and they're going to put it on streaming here in america and, the, and jen knows I'm let, let me tell you the email exchange that that occurred last night <laughs> arch is like oh you know i saw this news about mulan and i said yeah how do you feel about that and he was like well i you know i have access to disney plus it'll be fine i'm like but you still have to pay 30 dollars, even if you have disney plus then i get the response right. what <laughs> Just yeah. utter outrage i'm like i expected you to be outraged come on that has been the reaction dollars that is that has been a reaction from everybody who saw my my write up for it on uh, on the site is twenty nine ninety nine. That's too much. I'm not going to pay. It. Now all those people say the same thing about Trolls World uh-huh. Tour and Scoob, which are movies that cost a lot more to buy, to, to to purchase uh, on digital early. Uh, they pay and, and people ended up paying for it. So I mean, <laughs> so I imagine they will do the same for Mulan, especially now that we know for sure that it's a movie that you'll be able to keep for your thirty dollars. Like it's not just a one time purchase. You'll be able to own it. You know, I just wanted to watch it. I didn't want to buy stock in it. If you're gonna pay thirty bucks, you might as well get it. You might as well pay to get some stock. Keep in it, it right? forever. And how many times will you watch it again? Really? If it's great, a lot. But if, if it's if you if you have a family with kids, there's a good chance you would watch it again. Yeah, well, you'll probably watch okay. it a lot. But you know, I don't I don't begrudge I don't begrudge any of these places, any of these studios who are putting these movies out for thirty bucks. I, I really don't. I, just because you figure if, if you get to the, if you went to the theaters, you didn't pay paying thirty dollars to see it anyway. And but you paying it separate now you can invite shoot 20 30 people to your house and pay 30 dollars one time and watch well it. no so, you can't travis that's, well, that's not no. responsible well I, I didn't say it was responsible but people would do it <laughs> <laughs> but if you got a household full you know four or five people in it right you're paying the one one cost of 30 dollars. if you went to the movies together to see it with your you got two or three kids you're paying 50 bucks or more so they're they got to make their money back on it somehow i don't blame them for it even though it may hurt initially okay now i paid six dollars and 99 cents to download on amazon john lewis good trouble and i thought it was the best six dollars and 99 cents i'd ever spent not just because of the price point but i will say the price point made me well i want to watch this i've got seven bucks for this yeah and and i do want to recommend anybody if you i know you know you've heard of the uh, john lewis doc documentary good trouble it's uh, quite creative and uh goes into uh good depth on john lewis and his uh life and the uh the setup is they uh, put him in a studio and let him watch footage of the early days of the civil rights movement and especially the uh march over the bridge in selma and i would highly recommend that and I certainly don't uh, begrudge paying six ninety nine for it, but uh, yeah. thirty bucks. <laughs> I'm not going there, so you can tell me how you liked Arch. I mean, Arch, you probably won't have to pay thirty dollars for it anyway, so you stop it. <laughs> we have to keep the consumer in mind. Don't you think? 
Well, you know what's sad about this is of all the remakes that Disney has done of, of old animated films, I think this one was one that maybe people were more excited about and that had a, a right. unique opportunity to have a cultural impact being, um, you know, having an Asian woman as its protagonist. And the fact that yeah. it's getting, people are saying, I don't want to pay for that. Like it's it's really unfortunate because I, 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 I've seen some some Asian American critics who have, who've been a little bit offended by that response, even though mm. it's not necessarily about Mulan specifically, just the, the price point itself. I, I wish it, it wasn't the first one that had to go down this road. Yeah. And, and I guess it's it's especially like, it's especially, uh, I think for some people, their reaction besides the price point is because Disney has taken other blockbusters they're supposed to put out and put them straight on Disney Plus for no added cost, like right. like Artemis Fowl, you know? So, and you see like, oh, well, what's the difference is one of the questions. What's the, what's the questions I got? And I was like, well, well, oh, well Hamilton. I mean, budget. Well, I mean, Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton, and, and, you know, broke new ground uh, because it took one medium and accentuated it in another medium. And, uh, you know, I thought that was uh, uh, groundbreaking. People but, complained about Hamilton being released on Disney Plus, too. I mean, people found a reason to complain about that because Disney had pulled their their mark, their pricing on it and, you know, their, their, their original uh, subscription pricing right before they put out, <laughs> right before they were going to release uh hamilton uh they they pulled that so people had to go and actually like really pay for disney plus you know if they wanted to see hamilton i mean people found found a reason to complain about that too so i mean it's you had to you had to know with the 29.99 price tag that was going to happen but what i'm looking at from a broader perspective is what this means for other disney features um Mm -hmm. because black widow was right around the corner too and i'm curious if this will be a sort of a, a measuring stick to see if this movie does really well uh in this this format this may be their their way moving forward for for quite a while or for other studios for that matter if yep. if, if 30 dollars, if people show that they're willing to pay that they're going to start charging that for everything i would think yep you're totally right i'd love to ask people critics what they are watching because i have pretty much uh transferred my loyalty to the uh to, to the streaming universe <laughs> and uh and i have found some wonderful stuff on there jen and I have been talking about I'll be gone in the dark and uh, are you following that Travis no I have all the episodes I think they just finished right and they just wrap up I have all the episodes on DVR to watch (laughs) so I need to I need to watch them Jen what's (laughs) what's your take on the finale Jen because I was uh, quite uh, surprised and uh, satisfied with without Uh, giving too much away yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was great. You know, I don't think it's a spoiler to find out that the Golden State Killer was apprehended because that's been yeah. out in the news for a yeah. while now. So from that perspective, it was satisfying. But what was more, what I think that show did so well is just, again, interrogate why it is that we are obsessed with true crime. And they really get into that much more directly in the, in the finale. And also, you know, just finding this community of women who were so reticent to talk about this. And, and, and now all these years later, they found each other and found this, forge these friendships I thought that was really really lovely and the whole thing is a testament um, to Michelle McNamara in so many different ways I, I I can't recommend that show enough I thought they made a really interesting attempt at closure which a lot of these true crime shows don't really have and uh, and I thought that's one of the things that makes it uh, stand out so Travis we recommend I'll be gone in the dark to you all right I will definitely. Jen, I understand you're caught up 
on uh, Ozarks. Yes, <laughs> That's on my I list finally, too. Finally finished the, the third season. And, I, and I'll say like, I was not a huge fan of the, of the show, but the third season was really, really good. And I think that the main reason was because of Ben, the, the brother character and his relationship with Laura Linney. Laura Linney and uh, is it, what's his name? Tom Pelfrey, the, the guy who plays yeah. Ben. The, um, they just gave just extraordinary performances. Like the, the thing that had never happened to me ever watching that show was I was never moved by it. I was never really that heartbroken by any of the things that happened until this season. Uh, I think that just elevated the whole the whole show. You know, um, Jason Fraley and I are huge fans of Ozark and, uh, and we will continue to refer to the fall off the couch moment in the finale of yeah. the third season. And I don't want to give it away, but I will ask if you fell off your couch. No, it really takes a lot for that to happen. It was surprising. What was a fall off your couch moment for you, then, Jen? Because I'm as a as a fan of yours. What is a what is a what was a what was a fall off the couch moment for you? And all the TV shows you know what i don't know i don't know i gotta think about that i gotta think there about no that. fall off your couch moments in lost or anything like that like i would oh I would well, think sure oh, your, well, your... thank you travis thank you for that um prompt <laughs> um certainly the the third season finale when they when they twist it and you're like oh they're in they're in the future now this is a, this yeah. is a flash forward like that was that was a mind-blowing and brilliant um and i'm sorry that i just ruined the end of season three for arch who has never watched lost <laughs> I'm, but i may get to it when they run out of material i can't believe you're watching when this the... french village thing and you're not oh. you haven't watched lost it's ridiculous oh my god what are you watching? <laughs> a French village. There's 72 episodes of it. And it's this little town in France during World War II. And it starts in 1940. And then it gets into the resistance. And then the uh, Vichy government. And then the Nazis. And then and then there's the liberation. And then there's trials. And oh, my God. And there's a little, there's a handful of us. There are about 10 people in all of America who <laughs> are watching a French village and we're obsessed no. No, Travis, with that show that no one is talking about is it I mean it, it, it which exactly. it sounds like something that's on like like on Britbox you know whatever it's that, on that MHD. <laughs> it's not even it's on it, Britbox couldn't, couldn't make room for it somehow <laughs> and it was also on Hulu so yeah. hey so I'm sure it's okay good. <laughs> We're airing on Apple and SoundCloud, and and what are the we're we're on some other platforms now. We just joined up on Spotify, so we're available there. So oh, you know, wherever you want to try to get oh, us, we we are available. Like that. So Lou, that's your cue. Yes, Arch, it is, and I want to clue you in on what we do every weekend on Hound Radio. Check us out. According to the Webster Dictionary, the definition of the word stiff, when used as a noun, is a flop or failure. So Hound Radio, lover of floppy ears and all kinds of music, invites you to enjoy an hour of musical flops and failures. Hey, it's Lou. Thanks to Lisa over in Falls Church, one of our Hound listeners. She has sent in a classic stiff. Came in number 58 in 1972 on the Billboard charts. We call it Sunday Night Stiffs. Each weekend for an hour, Hound Radio will play nothing but lost songs that never became hits. Summer singles, summer album tracks, but they all have one thing in common. They're stiffs. Got one you want to hear? Send it to Lou at HoundRadio.com. There's only one internet radio station that's bold enough or dumb enough to do this. It's Sunday Night Stiffs, every weekend from 9 till 10 on Hound Radio. 
the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. So we have uh, some very important people to uh, remember, and shall we start with Wilford Brumley, Wilford Brimley, who died uh, this week at the age of 85 and who was memorable in almost every film he made. And his, the list of his work on uh, IMDb takes three or four pages. He worked a lot. And any, uh, any uh, words about Wilford Brimley? You know, I still like associate him with most strongly with Cocoon. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that, there was that, I wouldn't really call it a meme necessarily, but, you know, he was only in his 40s when he was in Cocoon. Um, and, and Oh, Brimley, him yeah. and Tom Cruise were 51 at the same time. Like at 51, at 51, he did Cocoon. <laughs> right. Then they showed Tom Cruise at 51 and he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's still looks like. He still looks like Wilford Brimley, like at eighty. Right, right. Like he, Wilford Brimley reached a point and he just stopped aging and he just stayed stuck at at that and just looked like that for the next thirty years. But yeah, that's fair. But he was, you know, people would always do the diabetes commercial jokes and stuff like that, and and I think lost sight of what you just said, Arch, which is that he he was a very versatile, prolific really sturdy actor who worked for a very, very long time. And I think was, from what I've read of what people were saying about him, really well-liked by his peers. IMDb gives him 77 credits. Of course, I will always remember uh, Absence of Malice and The Natural Mm. and several other just uh, uh, films where you're you're going along, Tender Mercy, suddenly he shows up and, you know, everybody... uh, moves forward in in their chairs uh started as a stuntman travis anything about wilford brimley for you uh, I, i'm like jen i mainly remember him for cocoon but i i i, I too think of him mostly for for quaker oats <laughs> and i and i know that's probably that's probably uh that, that that's probably wrong well she had a good night's sleep and a hot quaker oatmeal at breakfast that'll stick to her ribs and warm her up and no cold cereal could do all that. Quaker oatmeal, ready to serve. It's the right thing to do. It's taken on new meaning for me as as a diabetic. Like I used to make mm. fun of those 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 uh, commercials, and now I'm like, oh, he's sort of my spirit animal, Wilford Brimley. I mean, I guess in a way. <laughs> so <laughs> he was trying to help me out even back then. But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Did either of you ever play the game uh, Who Would Play You in the movie of your life? Yeah, it's always Did Denzel, you? though. I mean, everybody always says it would be Denzel. So, I mean, the game is always pretty short. <laughs> or, or Delroy are, you suge- are you suggesting it should be Wilford Brimley? <laughs> no, uh, that's what everyone suggested for me. <laughs> so, so, I have a, uh, a fondness for Wilford Brimley. And uh, I was surprised the director, Alan Parker, died at age 76 a few days ago. And uh, he has 26 credits. I mean, you know, I remember him for uh, a lot of the Midnight Express, of course, and even Bugsy Malone. He did the Pink Floyd movie. And uh, Mississippi Burning is probably something we should talk about that uh, backfired a little bit on him. 
Alan Parker did my favorite musical of all time, which is The Commitments. So that's what I was gonna say. Oh, the, commitments, <laughs> the Commitments, I love to this day. I I still play the soundtrack with uh, Andrew Strong doing all those versions of of the soul songs that I, I kind of my parents would play, and I I, I kind of re got got back into them again because of The Commitments. Strangely enough. Mustang Sally. Guess you better slow than Mustang down. Do you, you have know, volumes one that. and two of the soundtrack, Travis? What's that? Do you have volumes one and two of the soundtrack? I do. So do I. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember when they went Alan on Alan Parker did oh, wow. my favorite musical, which is Evita. Don't cry for me, Argentina. The truth is I never left you. He also did Angel Heart, which is one of the oh, yeah. handful of films that I have that I have uh, left, uh, like walked out on. Oh, really? <laughs> Angel Heart's pretty awful. Oh, Angel um, Heart, yeah, Angel Heart's wow. pretty awful. It's it's still awful too. Yeah. I tried to watch it not too long ago. Actually, it's still pretty bad. I know some people dig it as a cult movie, but no, it's just not. It's not good. It's not good. Not good, really. <laughs> and uh, we have a, a good friend, Mike Clark who uh, is probably best known for many years as the movie reviewer at USA Today and a friend of all of ours. And uh, Mike Clark passed away this week at age 73. He was a film writer and movie reviewer and uh, one of the people that I was in awe of. I actually, I would get uh, kind of butterflies in my stomach being around him because he was so interesting to uh, talk to. He was a good friend to you, Travis, wasn't I met him after he had left USA Today, and I met him when he was he was working at the Angelica Theater, which is right by. Yeah, me. and uh, that's and I was I knew who he was because you know film you know film film lover could not know who Mike Clark was because I've been living around here, and uh, so I was surprised to see him there and happy to to f- find out that he knew who I was, which shocked me to be honest. But I mean, I always liked him, and I liked his reviews for so for one of the reasons that I also have always liked your reviews, Arch, and your take on movies is that he could talk about movies, even stuff he didn't like, and always be lighthearted about it, and always make you feel good about it. And like no matter what, even if it was a movie he didn't like all that much, he just had that kind of personality, and he was always really generous and kind to me. So um, made me really sad to find out that he was that he was sick, number one, and right. that he uh, and that he passed away so suddenly so uh, when i first really, really moved hurt to me. washington i joined the american film institute when they were showing movies at uh kennedy center this was in like 1975 and i would go in there and they would give you a sheet of what uh, was coming up and mike clark wrote the uh, film notes on all of the films and his writing was just beautiful and so uh, when I met him, I started quoting his work back to him. And, you know, before the invention of the uh, videotape recorder, if you wanted to see a classic movie, you had to seek it out. You had to find it. You had to find it being shown someplace or you weren't going to see it. And he had this wonderful encyclopedic knowledge of all of this weird stuff like gun crazy and, <laughs> and all of the you know, horror films. Films from the 50s and he he and he had a wonderful passion for 
uh, film. So uh, anytime I could be with him, uh, it was just, it was such a treat. And uh, and I'm very sad to uh, see that he has uh, passed away. And as he got older and as journalism changed, uh, the jobs for him weren't quite as open. So he took a job managing the Angelica the- Theater near you. And it was, you know, it was the perfect thing for him because here's this encyclopedia walking around uh, available to talk to uh, anybody who was interested in what they were showing. Yeah, He was still doing reviews, mostly of home release stuff and kind of classic mm-hmm. stuff too on a, on a website that has its name uh, eludes me. But uh, he was still doing stuff like that. I would always kind of see it when I would come across them and, and, and check them out. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he was one sad. of Leonard Malton's reviewers. Remember yeah. Leonard Malton's video guide, which began yeah. to look like the phone yeah. book. And he, <laughs> and he had that whole thing where he was he was on the show Quiz Show, right? Yeah, on, yeah. yeah Nineteen fifty-eight. Yeah, won a he bunch was of money on the sixty-four thousand dollar question a challenge. Yeah. $64,000 challenge. And if you watch Quiz Show, you'll get a sense of what that was like. Yeah. And so he was he was something. So Jen, shall we play another version of what's your favorite whatever? <laughs> sure. I have a question that I don't know my own answer to. So this should be fun for everybody. <laughs> um, since we were talking about Mulan, I'm curious what your favorite Disney movie is. Ooh. Hmm. Leaving Pixar out of it, maybe, because it's just too much. Right. You're talking live action or, or animated? It could be live action Classic. or it could be an animated one, yeah. Okay. Ooh, um, favorite my Disney favorite Disney animated film is The Lion King. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it seems like a, like, a, like a simple answer, but it, but it is. It's, it's my favorite of them all. <laughs> much better than the, than the recent remake, although I like that one, too, if I'm honest. Right. I'm inclined to say Snow White, because it's the first film I ever saw. But I hmm. think I will say Beauty and the Beast, because that was the film that uh, changed Disney and touched off uh, what we've come to expect from them in animation. So, uh, And uh, also because uh, Jerry Orbach was in it as the singing uh, chandelier or the singing uh, candle holder. Yeah, I was actually going to say Beauty and the Beast too for, for the uh-huh. same reason. Like oh, it interesting. Was, I remember seeing it in the theater and just the richness of the animation just, you know, I, I just felt like I hadn't seen something quite that um, vivid um, and certainly not from Disney in a long, long time. So, and it was, you know, one of the rare animated movies to be nominated for Best Picture. Right. Um, Should have won. Uh, and that was when there weren't some. like, you know, 10 Best Picture nominees. What won that year? Do we remember what won that year? That it didn't win? What was it? Was it Unforgiven? No. Uh-huh. That would have been later. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to yeah, look it up. I don't know. Either. I just thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis? You want to get in on this? I'm with you guys. Uh, the Lion King was always one of my favorites. Classic. No way so, uh, has any love for the Apple Dumpling Gang. That's not your favorite Apple Disney movie. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's favorite. Nobody's favorite is that one. Just thought I'd That's ask. why I like Beauty and the Beast, because it got away from the Apple Dumpling Gang. Uh, <laughs> um, Snow White. I could never uh, be around a Catholic nun after I saw The Witch in Snow White as a little boy. Later on, I got over that. <laughs> I need to thank Travis 
from uh, Punch Drunk Critics and WBAL and News Channel 8. And say hello to my friends at News Channel 8 for me. And uh, Jen Cheney's material is at vulture.com and at WTOP. And I'm working on my autobiography. Whatever you're thinking of doing, don't do it. <laughs> I think it's funny. Lewis, how are you going to wrap this up? I thought I'd play something from the Lion King soundtrack to... Hey. Oh. To wrap that up, the circle of life. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.
This is the Cats Podcasting System.